while you may have a handful of bad actors uh, who have been intentionally kind of holding staff levels low, you also have a lot of facility operators, uh, frankly, the overwhelming majority, who are very well-meaning people uh, who care a lot about their patients and are trying really hard to find and hire the right staff. Hello and welcome to HIMSCast. I'm Susan Morse, Executive Editor of Healthcare Finance News. We are talking today with Lee Hudson Teslick, who is founder of and CEO of Reverence. Welcome uh, and thank you for being here, Lee. Thanks, Susan. Thanks for having me. Can you first tell us about yourself and Reverence? Sure, absolutely. So uh, Reverence is a, a technology company focused uh, exclusively on healthcare workforce. Um, so we specialize in helping large healthcare companies get the right people in the right place at the right time, which is a, an increasingly difficult thing given the current staffing situations. What kind of staffing do you do? So we work uh, across the whole sort of realm of post-acute care. So we work with home health providers, home care providers, um, as well as skilled nursing, assisted living, um, and CCRC. And this has all come into the news lately because on September 1st, CMS issued proposed minimum nursing standards for nursing homes. Also, they had uh, skilled nursing facilities. And I don't know in your mind if these two are the same things or if it impacts both. So maybe that should be my first question. What facilities does this rule impact, please? Yes. So um, I can give a little context uh, on the proposed legislation. Um, it is it is focused on skilled nursing facilities specifically, um, or what are what are commonly called uh, nursing homes. Um, I, you know, I guess for a little context, I think it is worthwhile to maybe take a quick step back and sort of look at what um, what CMS is is trying to achieve with this mandate. Um, and then we can talk a little bit about the industry's response and maybe some of the potentially uh, unintended consequences. Um, you know, over the last several years, and particularly during COVID, uh, there have obviously been some uh, you know widely publicized stories of care challenges um, within nursing homes. Um, you know, patients in skilled nursing facilities that you know dying or suffering because of a lack of care, lack of staff support, or neglect. Um, and meanwhile, it, you know, while it's absolutely not the norm. Uh, there have been publicized instances of organizations essentially keeping their staffing levels low uh, so as to maximize profitability. So that was kind of what CMS uh, was intending to address with this regulation, essentially stipulating minimum staffing levels to uh, try to guard against bad behavior and ensure patient safety. And there's nothing wrong with this ostensibly, but uh, the problem is really how the specific regulation they proposed, you know, could manifest in practice. So, needless to say, uh, for the last several years, and particularly through COVID, the whole healthcare industry, not just skilled nursing, has faced really significant staffing constraints. Um, and while you, you know, while you may have a handful of bad actors uh, who have been intentionally kind of holding staff levels low, you also have a lot of facility operators. Uh, frankly, the overwhelming majority who are very well-meaning people uh, who care a lot about their patients and are trying really hard to find and hire the right staff and are struggling like heck to do that 
particularly uh, you know when when they are in rural regions. So the major complaint uh, of the industry is that this proposed staffing mandate, at least in its current form, um, could actually have a, a meaningfully detrimental effect uh, on some of these well-meaning providers because they simply won't be able to meet the specified staffing levels um, and indeed could, uh, you know, in some cases, force organizations out of business. And that obviously is not in anyone's interest, right? That doesn't serve patients well. It reduces access to care. It may make care more expensive in some places. Um, it actually harms hospitals as well because they find themselves increasingly unable to discharge patients who might otherwise uh, you know, appropriately go to a nursing facility, et cetera, et cetera. So all of that is to say, while the uh, you know the intent behind this mandate is clear, uh, there's a whole lot of nuance here, <laughs> and it's important to uh, you know to work through the specific requirements in a way that guards against uh, potentially bad side effects. Well, frankly, what was CMS thinking? I mean, you you gave a great background. Thank you for that. But are you being inundated with calls saying, you know, we need staff, give us staff? Where is the staff supposed to come from? Well, that's exactly the question, right? And, uh, you know, I think the, I think it is only reasonable to hope that, uh, you know, through the process of negotiation that's going on right now, uh, you know, and it does seem like there's been meaningful dialogue over the last like month, two months um, around, uh, you know, how to land uh, legislation here in a way that isn't destructive um that doesn't have uh unintended side effects um you know my hope is that all of this will land in a constructive place uh i do think the first iteration um of the of the proposal uh you know was structured in a way that that might have had some uh, meaningfully bad consequences if if it's not updated so we'll, we'll see what comes through with the updates but uh you know we're we're all hoping for the best this came out September 1st. Um, thank you for that. And this is a proposed rule, just to be clear, right? So they've been taking comments. Did Reverence submit comments on this? So Reverence has worked with uh, groups that we work with to help shape their comments. To help shape, okay. Uh, to, and we can, because we do have a fair amount of uh, analytics around um, meeting staffing thresholds. Uh, and you know what it will take, so we were able to inform some of the uh, some of the feedback. Any idea when a final rule will be issued? <laughs> you know, uh, trying to read the uh, tea leaves on this is, a, I would say, a fool's errand. <laughs> and we, uh, we've we've tried previously, uh, and, uh, and and have been. Um, you know, wrong <laughs> before. So I, I'm not going to hazard a guess. Uh, people are talking about before the end of the year, but we'll, we'll see. See if that comes about. And Lee, you brought up legislation. What's this about? Do you feel legislation is needed to get this changed around? Look, I, I, honestly, I would broaden the kind of aperture of the of the question slightly. And I know, you know, the, I know the staffing mandate is the hot topic du jour, and rightly so, because it could have really meaningful consequences in the near term. Um, I do think there's a broader point that can get missed, um, which is that, frankly, like mandate or no mandate, staffing is already a challenge 
with existential stakes for U.S. nursing homes um, and frankly, other parts of U.S. healthcare as well. Uh, and mandate or no mandate, uh, the imperative to innovate, uh, frankly, now remains the same. So uh, really, the question is, what can skilled nursing operators do in this context to shore up their businesses for long-term success, uh, You know, whether we have a mandate or not, and kind of regardless of what's, you know, what is stipulated within that mandate? Um, I have some thoughts on uh, you know, how best to do that. And that's part of what we, you know, work on at Reverence. Uh, so we can talk more about that if that would be helpful. Yeah, I would like to hear more of that because uh, we've heard a lot about digital solutions and AI helping to step in to ease provider burden and ease staffing burden. But, um, you know, going back to the mandate, if there's a mandate for so many bodies to be in a skilled nursing facility, I don't know how you replace that with digital uh, solutions. So well, yes, I'd like to going hear that. Back to the, so going back to the kind of core challenge, which is that an inability to staff at scale is already constricting the operations of a lot of U.S. healthcare operators, uh, including skilled nursing operators. You know, fundamentally, if you are in a challenged staffing environment, there are really two things you can do at the most basic level. You can find more people, or you can figure out ways of deploying your workforce more efficiently, more effectively, essentially like get more done with less. Um, what we've seen over the last few years uh, has been a heavy emphasis on thing one, like go getting more people. And what we're finding, and I think part of what you know really concerns people about the mandate uh, is that you know we're finding kind of diminishing returns on those efforts. Uh, in that, uh, particularly in rural regions, you know, some operators are simply not able to find more people, or the costs of finding more people are becoming prohibitively expensive, either because uh, you know of contract workforce costs are going through the roof, um, or they're having to pay you know more overtime costs than they've ever had to before, et cetera, et cetera. So you know, my at the highest level, my personal perspective here is that there's actually more that can be done at this point creatively around the second thing, which is how do you get creative in your staffing structures? How do you get smart about how you're deploying people in a way that actually achieves you to enables you to achieve the things that you're trying to achieve um, you know, with a sort of fixed resource? Um, there's a lot that can be learned from other industries. Uh, in that context, uh, there are a handful of industries, uh, hospitality, airlines, trucking that have faced meaningful staffing constraints over the last one to two decades uh, and have had to really significantly innovate their ways of working. Uh, healthcare is obviously different, but uh, you know, I, I would contend that it's different in sort of 20% <laughs> and 80% is actually overlapping and that there are really significant learnings that can be taken from stuff that's happened elsewhere. Uh, you mentioned technology, both from a technology standpoint um, and also frankly, from just like a process and staffing operations and you know staffing structure standpoint um, that can really help uh, organizations do more with less. Lee, can you please give an example of that? For skilled yeah, nursing facilities. No, absolutely. So um, I, I guess there are two parts to it. The first is 
getting really thoughtful across what I'll call different pools of workforce. So imagine we're talking about a skilled nursing facility and we're talking about uh, RNs, right? Nurses who are working at that facility. Well, functionally, uh, you know, you, you have a lot of different types of RNs. Uh, you have full-time on-staff uh, RNs. You have full-time on-staff people who are on overtime. You may have like a whole range of different union rules that are affecting how and when you can deploy people and what it costs. You may have per diem, uh, you know, workers, hourly workers, travelers, uh, other forms of contract workforce. You may be engaging via telemedicine in some ways, you know, like synchronous telemedicine, asynchronous telemedicine. Each of those is a way of having an RN engage with a patient. Each comes with a different cost dimension. Each comes with a different, essentially, clinical efficacy. And you have a question as a business, which is, what's the right mix across all of that? And how do you actually optimize against that mix when your frontline schedulers are filling shifts in real time? So that's thing number one. And I think there's like a really a lot more that can be done. And frankly, a lot more that could be done pulling in uh, you know, some interesting advanced technology to help with that. I also think there's a uh, you know sort of staffing operation, staffing structure question here. And oftentimes, particularly in the context of skilled nursing facilities, um, you know, we're seeing new innovative staffing structures that are helping a lot. So imagine that you are a skilled nursing facility and you have, you know, five locations, five facilities with, or you're, you're a chain of skilled nursing facilities, but you have five facilities within a city. Say we're in Minneapolis, right? You have five facilities in Minneapolis. Um, and each one of them is you know managing their own staffing and each one of them or some of them are utilizing contract workforce uh to supplement their spend which is it you know or to supplement their workforce which is expensive so there's a question which is how are those five facilities engaging with one another right do you have the ability to when one facility needs a person to flexibly tap workforce from other facilities who may be nearby, who may frankly be looking for work um, and are not utilized at the moment? Um, or conversely, uh, are there opportunities to set up flexible float pool type structures where you have people on, in some instances, shorter shift lengths who can help you patch support when needed? Um, there are even organizations that have set up full internal staffing operation, like staffing agency operations that support their own uh, kind of operations first and then sell out into the broader market. So there's a lot of creative stuff that you can get into um, that can actually re you know, really meaningfully help, uh, particularly when we're talking about reducing contract workforce spend or reducing overtime spend. Um, you know, some of these levers can, can make a big difference. Lee, thank you for that, for those creative uh, ways uh, to do more with less, basically, I guess is what they're trying to do now or try to stretch the workforce. One final question. For RNs, what are they looking for other than money? In other words, if I'm a skilled nursing facility, what can I do to attract that help other than, you know, paying more money that I don't have? You know, it is a terrific question. And uh, I think this is one of the, frankly, one of the encouraging things um, about what we're seeing in this space is that there are things other than money that make a big difference here. Um, when you're trying to attract and retain talent. And one of the biggest 
uh, that actually plays into some of what I was describing before is simply flexibility. And we see across RNs and frankly, other types of uh, you know roles as well, other sort of forms of caregivers, uh, is that many of them are not just caregivers professionally, but are in some way or another caregivers personally within their own home, either with parents or children or spouse or whatever. And uh, you know, sometimes the traditional staffing structures uh, that are popular within um, skilled nursing facilities, amongst other organizations, you know, eight-hour shifts, twelve-hour shifts. Uh, you, you know, you have people who have worked with you as an organization in the past, like working with you, would love to stay with you, but simply cannot give you the time, at least not in the sort of hour chunks that you're asking of them. And we've seen organizations doing really creative things, um, you know, again, in the context of setting up flexible uh, float pools, um, oftentimes with shorter shift durations. Um, and then, uh, you know, in many cases, offering that, you know, when somebody is saying, I'm going to leave, saying, that that's great. We understand you have, you know, you have stuff going on in your personal life um, that you have to take care of that. But- how about what if we were to offer you four hours or six hours during these time windows? Would that enable you to, you know, stay with us for a portion of this time? A lot of people say yes. And frankly, people who have already left some of these organizations, it's a great way to draw them back. Um, you know, by by exploring some of these more flexible work setups. So, uh, you know, I think there's a lot in that, and I do think that COVID has, uh, you know, across a lot of industries, um, kind of re-emphasized the demand for flexibility um, in working setups. And, it, you know, healthcare is no different in this regard. And, and, and I do think this is, you know, one of the areas in which the industry can, can really innovate here. Lee, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you on HIMSCast. Yeah, thank you.